no coherent governing philosophy or any moral purpose to the Republican Party. It doesn't really perform the role of a traditional political party, which represents some sort of political view. It exists to defeat Democrats for the purpose of acquiring power for power's sake. The RNC is basically a money laundering machine for the Trump crime family. And the reason that Trump needs to control the RNC is because if anybody came in who was independent and looked at that, um, the next step would be to call the FBI. This is how modern democracy is done. It's usually not in traditional coups. It's not like Allende in Chile being deposed. Um, it's, it's at the ballot box and it's in the courtroom. And it's a slow, gradual process. This is what is happening in the United States of America. This is what the Republican Party wants. This is what they are methodically going about trying to accomplish. And yeah. I know these people. And as bad as we think they are, they are worse. And we should accept that they are at war with what we consider the American experiment. And if we don't engage in this war, they will win. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. In a move that surprised absolutely no one, on Wednesday, House Republicans purged Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming from her leadership position for her refusal to stay quiet about Donald J. Trump's election lies in a remarkable takedown of one of their own that reflected the party's intolerance for dissent and unserving fealty to the former president. What her colleagues know is she is not going away. And that's a problem for them, not because she's a distraction, because she's an embarrassment, because she keeps telling the truth. And I am told that a number of her colleagues over the last couple of months have said to her, you're killing me when I go back to my district. You're making me look bad with my voter. Cheney, knowing she was doomed, delivered a blistering takedown of Trump and the current party leadership in a speech that drew boost from her colleagues. In her parting remarks, Cheney urged Republicans not to let the former president drag us backward, warning that Republicans were going down a path that would bring their destruction and possibly the destruction of our country, adding that if the party wanted a leader who would enable and spread his destructive lies, they should vote to remove her. This is about our duty as Americans. Remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. I will not participate in that. I will not sit back and watch in silence while others lead our party down a path that abandons the rule of law and joins the former president's crusade to undermine our democracy. And remove her they did to the sound of jeers from her boorish and brainwashed colleagues on the right. This was as close to a Soviet-style purge as we've seen in American government ever. Fox News and far-right conservatives may be obsessed with socialism like it's some communicable disease you can catch like the clap. But so far, the only GOP has dabbled with this level of delusion and began expelling its leaders for telling the fucking truth. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! 
This is Stalin-level shit, folks. Cult-level sickness. Show the leader how loyal and dedicated you are to the MAGA cause. To try to erase Donald Trump from the Republican Party uh, is insane. And the people who try to erase him are going to wind up getting erased. It's impossible for this party to move forward without President Trump being its leader because the people who are conservative have chosen him as their leader. And you know why they chose him? Because he delivered. He was the most consequential president for national security since Ronald Reagan. He secured the border, he cut our taxes, he brought a new attitude of being an American. And the people have chosen him, not, not the pundits. To add insult to Cheney's political injury, MAGA celebrants took to Twitter immediately following the vote to expel Cheney from her leadership position to twist the knife even further. First up to bat was gun-toting QAnon cheerleader Lauren Boebert of Colorado, who offered the following zinger, and I quote, Liz Cheney seems to be auditioning for a job with the Lincoln Project. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> then came this broadside from Matt Gates who at least you forget is being investigated for sex fucking trafficking of underage girls. And I quote, Liz Cheney is the masthead for the establishment in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Even freshman congressman and MAGA beefcake Madison Cawthorn got in on the act tweeting the utterly cringe-inducing, and I quote this one, folks, na-na-na-na-na-na, hey-hey, Goodbye, Liz Cheney. Trump offered his own words for Cheney, which were fully in character of him being a misogynistic asshole of the highest order, calling her a poor leader, a major Democrat talking point, a warmonger, and a person with absolutely no personality or heart. You forgot ugly, lazy, and disrespectful. Shut up, bitch! I've spent most of the day wrecking my brain for reasons why this is happening. But I believe that reason left the building long ago. It's a party committing mass suicide all at once, like a political Jonestown with Trump leading the death cult from Mar-a-Lago. This is exactly the point that the Republican Party and the conservative mainstream political and media ecosystem is now downstream and filled with all these conspiracy theories and ideas that come straight from QAnon and they don't even realize it. Because none of this makes any sense. Following Trump dooms the GOP to permanent minority status as they shed moderate and independent voters sickened by his authoritarian display of power and continued lies. All that's left will be the hardcore conservatives willing to believe every fucking utterance from Trump's mouth. When you have a group of people who run a party, a political party, one of two main political parties, who are acting in a delusional way, it's so dangerous. And Liz Cheney is just trying to tell the truth and trying to warn them that their lies, their bold face lies, are hurting this country and are putting this country in danger and putting this country in danger around the world. So, as the party purges itself of those crazy enough to be a Republican anymore, it's doing the same with its leaders. First were the moderates, the rhinos, and the never-Trumpers. 
Then came those unwilling to accept Trump's lies and trespasses on the Constitution. But now, it's anyone who speaks the truth and recognizes reality. I am a conservative Republican, and the most conservative of conservative principles is reverence for the rule of law. The election is over. That is the rule of law. That is our constitutional process. Those who refuse to accept the rulings of our courts are at war with the Constitution. Our duty is clear. Every one of us who has sworn the oath must act to prevent the unraveling of our democracy. Liz Cheney isn't a moderate. She comes from a conservative political dynasty that had its own trespasses against the Constitution and thirst for absolute power. But now Cheney is not conservative enough. I think we learned that the civil war in the Republican Party is not ending with Liz Cheney's ouster. The civil war within the party is just beginning. And number three, that civil war within the party is going to have enormous consequences for this country. And I'll leave you with one thing on this point, Nicole, and that is uh, the, the last person to fight a civil war in this country, Ulysses S. Grant, said the next time there would be such a contest for America's existence, it wouldn't be between North and South over the Mason-Dixon line. It would be it would be between patriotism and intelligence on one side and ignorance and superstition on the other. This need to purify itself and purge any and all dissent is a frightening turn of events that should worry us all, regardless of your political affiliation. Here we have a major political party no longer just flirting with madness and conspiracy, but openly embracing political nihilism. Let me be clear. There was no insurrection, and to call it an insurrection, in my opinion, is a bold-faced lie. Watching the TV footage of those who entered the Capitol and walked through Statuary Hall showed people in an orderly fashion staying between the stanchions and ropes taking videos and pictures. You know, if you didn't know the TV footage was a video from January the 6th, you would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. How many times can I say that it's a fucking doomsday cult that worships Donald Trump and the accumulation of power? It's like something you'd see out of North Korea where, where you know, we just can't make the dear leader mad. You know, we have this and this bad economic news. Don't make the dear leader mad. These people are as craven and sick as I've seen in modern politics. I have to think back to the age of Joseph McCarthy and the blacklist for a time when delusion and madness coursed so absolutely through the reins of power. Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? It seems now we've entered this political hour where reason and decency have long left the building and all that is left is a kind of group insanity. And now for the main event. The most pernicious part of the big lie is how it creates a kind of smoky truth when no matter how hard the facts are, there's always this question of what's real and what's fake. It puts everything up for debate and makes you question the very fabric of reality. It's also why it's so effective and sowing confusion and dissent. 
gaining a perspective on what's truly happening can be next to impossible as news and opinion bounce from pole to pole in a hyperpartisan echo chamber of social media where fake news is pumped out on an industrial scale. It's no wonder why the MAGA faithful are as dogmatic as they are. The powers that control their media have done a terrifyingly good job of demonizing the left and giving them a sense of doom and danger to rally around. To make sense of this current moment, I reached out to Cenk Uger, whose Young Turks are the largest online news show in the world with some 8 billion views and 13 million subscribers across multiple platforms. Uger also holds the distinction of being too left for MSNBC and was booted from the channel by then-programming chief Phil Griffin in 2011 after daring to criticize the Obama administration. Since then, he has built the Young Turks brand into a dominant voice in progressive news. Whether he's facing off against InfoWars' Alex Jones or batting down dangerous fake news, Uger has become an indispensable part of the digital news fragment. We talked to him today about Liz Cheney and the modern GOP, Tucker Carlson, and much, much more. So let's listen now to that conversation. Last week, Caitlyn Jenner appeared on Sean Hannity to discuss why she's running for governor in the California state recall election. In a widely mocked statement, Jenner said the following, and I quote, My friends are leaving California. My hanger, the guy right across, he was packing up his hanger, and I said, where are you going? And he says, I'm moving to Sedona, Arizona. I can't take it anymore. I can't walk down the street and see the homeless. End quote. You responded by tweeting, it's hard not to despise this person. She thinks we should be more draconian to the average person in California. Because the person who stores her private jet is mad at how the rich are being treated. Her only identity is that of unbearable, rich, wealth, out-of-touch asshole. Do you think that there was any real strategic thought behind her appearing on Hannity in this fashion? Apparently, her entire team is made up of ex-Trump people like Brad Parscale. Now, there have been whispers that the entire recall effort has been orchestrated behind the scenes by Trump himself, who despises Newsom and others believe it's an effort by Jenner to launch a new reality show around running for governor. You can't make this shit up. What are you hearing? <laughs> OK, so first of all, it, it is the Trump model, right? Take a dumb celebrity that's in reality, accomplished nothing in their lives. But to be fair to Caitlyn Jenner, she actually was a great athlete. So she accomplished something, as opposed to Donald Trump, who accomplished six bankruptcies. So, and, and then have the media pay attention because the media is stupid and they love celebrities and they don't care about substance at all, right? Run as a Republican. Republican voters are not bright. They'll uh, buy anything. And so they'll buy at the same time oh, we're supposed to hate trans people now and the young trans girls playing sports is the mortal enemy of freedom in America. But this transgender person running uh, as a Trump wannabe in California, we're going to vote for her because trans people are awesome. Will Republican voters believe that? Yeah, they'll believe anything. You guys proved that. They'll believe anything, Right. And the media will also believe anything, will also be accidentally part of any plot uh, to get uh, credibility to these people. 
And and why is she on Sean Hannity? Well, Fox News likes to take people of a certain identity and use them against that identity. It's the oldest trick in the book. Actually, to be fair, the establishment does it in a different way as well. So they'll have black people on to tell you how bad black culture is. They'll have Muslims on to tell you how violent and dangerous Muslims are. Uh, on and on and on. And so here they and what did Hannity ask uh, Jenner about trans uh, athletes that they uh, well, uh, Caitlin Jenner basically said they shouldn't participate in sports. Um, so perfect mission accomplished for the conservative audience in Fox News. Uh, does she have a chance of winning? No, I think she's too ridiculous, too stupidly out of touch uh, to be able to win. And California is too democratic for a Honestly, a weirdo, eccentric, stupid, uh, wealthy person like Caitlyn Jenner to have a shot at winning. Well, interestingly enough, because I don't think that Caitlyn Jenner would be the first transgender person in our Congress, right? Isn't there Rachel Levine, uh, who I think was confirmed uh, to a position, I forget what position it is, under this Biden administration. So I'm not so sure that the notion that Caitlyn Jenner is transgender is what would keep her out of um, no, the, no, you know the you know the no, governorship. I think it's more the fact that you're right that she's trying to be the Donald Trump of California, wrong state, that's certainly for sure. But I'm pretty sure that being an Olympic athlete in the previous life is not going to be enough. And yeah. Um, while related to the Kardashians, probably still the most watch ridiculous reality TV show that there is, I'm just not sure that that's going to be enough to propel her to the office. No, no, there's, there's look, that, that was very, very unlikely. It has nothing to do with her being trans. California would be totally open to it. As I just explained, Republican voters would be open to it as long as the magical Donald Trump said so, right? Um, and, and there's other trans people in government, of course, not only now, but in the past. Look, we don't know what J. Edgar Hoover was. He was at a minimum a cross-dresser. So there's been folks that have been hiding their identity for a long, long time in politics, and now some that are open about it. That isn't the issue. The issue is how out of touch she is. And, and Michael, people are in their own bubbles. You know, I'm sure you were in your bubble back in the day when you were with Trump, and everything seemed to make sense. And you get yourself to believe that it makes sense. So in Caitlyn Jenner's bubble, everybody's a billionaire and everybody's worried about what their private jet uh, hangar dude's going to do. And so she she has no chance or ability with her low level of intelligence to be able to connect to the average person and and get them to believe that the private jet people are the most relevant people in California. You know, it's funny that you brought up J. Edgar Hoover because, you know, J. Edgar Hoover had a name on the hill. And God forbid that you ever used it. You know, that was the one thing that he was. He was very strategic in having dossier on virtually every single person. He was known on the Hill as J. Edna Hoover, as he would walk the halls in high heels and in a dress. But it's not really well known and it's not it's not written significantly about because of the fear factor that this guy imposed on people Um especially the press, forgetting about those um, of his colleagues that worked on the Hill. I'm talking about the press. He had everything on everybody and was definitively planned to using it. Yeah. Uh, look, those are the battle days. Uh, the one positive thing about the Internet is 
there's plenty of negative things as well as, as everybody's aware of. But there's a couple of super positive things. Uh, one is that it exposes everyone. It's sunlight. And so the example I always use is Cory Booker, used to taking uh, money from his corporate donors, including the drug companies, votes against a, a bill to reimport drugs from Canada, uh, pretends that they're unsafe in Canada. It's absurd. And in the old days, he would have been able to do that vote 100 times and not get caught once because the mainstream media is terrible. And it basically worked for corporate Democrats and corporate Republicans. There's their stenographers. Uh, and so but because of the Internet, he got caught. And, and then they're like, hey, wait, why are you saying the drugs, the same exact drugs from Canada are dangerous? Is it connected to your donors? And then he got embarrassed and then he changed his vote. So, uh, you know, Edna would have been caught back in the day. Uh, and eventually Lindsay will get caught. Uh, everybody gets caught eventually. Uh, the Internet will find you. Um, and so that's one of the upsides of it. What's amazing about the Trump phenomenon was we caught him and no one cared. <laughs> the Republicans still voted for him anyway, even though they know he's a crook and a con man and all those things. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, he's like Teflon Don. He he's so far he's managed to escape responsibility for virtually everything. I don't see that lasting for, you know, for all time. Right now, I think between the multitude of investigations that are going on into him and into those around him, Don Jr., Ivanka, Jared, Eric Weisselberg, the whole nine yards. I, I think and now with Rudy's electronic devices uh, being taken. I think we're going to start seeing a very different tune. And all we can do is hope. A recent survey showed couples share a variety of passwords within the first six months of dating. But sharing passwords with a significant other may put you at risk if the relationship ends. Your ex may still have access to your login information, be tracking your location, or access more than you intended if you use the same password for multiple accounts. Your private information is more exposed than ever. This could leave you vulnerable to cyber threats. The all-in-one protection of Norton 360 with LifeLock makes it easy to have protection in the digital world. Norton 360 with LifeLock gives you comprehensive protection for devices, online privacy, and identity. Device security blocks cyber criminals from stealing personal information on your devices. VPN with bank-grade encryption helps keep the personal information you send over Wi-Fi safe. LifeLock Identity Theft Protection monitors your personal information and alerts you to potential threats to your identity. Now, no one can prevent all cybercrime and identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But if you have Norton 360 with LifeLock, you can opt into cyber safety. Sign up today and save 25% or more off your first year by going to Norton.com slash Cohen. That's 25% off Norton 360 with LifeLock at Norton.com slash Cohen. The weather's getting warmer and I'm psyched to start grilling again. One of the things I always worried about is how do I know when the meat is ready and I'm always praying it's not overcooked. This new product I came across makes sure I won't mess it up and tells me exactly when it's ready to come off the grill. Meter is a sleek Bluetooth meat thermometer that keeps an eye on the food and lets you know when it's ready to eat. I'll give you a countdown for the cook so you know how many more beers you can drink before you have to get back to the grill. Super simple, super easy, with perfect results. Lord knows I'm not perfect, and that goes for grilling meats and chops. 
I can't tell you how many times I've overcooked something until it looked like an old shoe or undercooked a piece of meat that looked like it was still mooing. Not anymore, folks. It's perfection here on out with this little beauty, and it's so easy to use. It can be used in a grill, smoker, oven, sous vide cooking, air fryer, rotisserie, literally anywhere. And comes with cloud service so you can have limitless range and still monitor the barbecue while drinking a beer at a neighbor's or running to the store. Welcome to the future. Monitor your steaks or chicken in the app so this way you can kick back and relax and pretend you're doing a whole lot more. This is the perfect tool to be a grill master and to buy for Father's Day if you haven't been shopping. Get 10% off with code COHEN at meter.com. That was M-E-A-T-E-R dot com. It's barbecue season, folks, so let's get grilling. Michael, can I ask you a question? Um, so, I look, they took Rudy's devices, but I, I know Rudy's very subpar intelligence, but even the lowest IQ guy would wipe his hard drives knowing that the feds are coming. He knew the feds were coming. That It'd be unbelievable if he had any material on that. But the, to me, the most interesting person, the most important person is Weisselberg. So um, does it like Trump's in, as dumb as a bag of rocks? He couldn't do accounting if his life depended on it. So that meant all the money had to move through Weisselberg uh, the, that ran the finance of the Trump organization. Doesn't that mean that Weisselberg knows every single crime committed, if there were any? Well, specifically financial crimes. Um, yeah. you know, Allen would be involved. Allen was involved with every single penny in and out of the Trump organization. But not just every penny in and out of the Trump organization. Every penny in and out of the Trump campaign, including the presidential inaugural committee. I mean, this guy had his hand... If Donald Trump was attached to a penny, it came through Alan Weisselberg's desk. So you could rest assured that he's somebody of significant, significant interest. Now, while you, of course, are accurate about Rudy's... um, you know, subpar intelligence, especially now. You know, it's interesting. I'll tell you a funny story. And this is really true. Yesterday, as I was returning from my two-hour walk through the park, I happened to um, break through on 61st and Madison. And as I was heading down towards my apartment, who do I bump into? Rudy. And I got to be honest with you. um, I've seen Rudy um, maybe, what, two, two and a half years ago? And so on the Rudy that was walking now and the Rudy that I saw back then, I mean, if he's not 250, 260, all bent and hunched over, I mean, just dragging his leg, hanging, like if he has a, a bad back injury or something, I mean, he just looked like like shit. I mean, I've never, I, honestly, and um, we stared at each other, then Walked past, not a not a word said. The girl that he was with is sitting there. She goes, "Michael Cohen's coming." Michael Cohen's look the other way. Look the other. Way. <laughs> I mean, as if, <laughs> as if you know. I mean, I'm not. I don't really have great hearing. You know, I'm partially deaf in my left ear. But she was speaking so loud. I guess Rudy must be deaf too because she couldn't have been saying it low enough that I didn't hear it. You know, as I was coming, it was kind of funny. But yeah. I do believe that. Rudy did not wipe it out. And even if he did, it doesn't matter. Our intelligence community is so good at retrieval that they will ultimately pull it back up. I mean, he didn't bleach like what they claim Clinton did. He didn't. Even if you delete it, it doesn't make it go away. That's the that's the thing. And Quantico, they're just such experts at retrieval, information retrieval. 
And I talk about this a lot, and I talked about this on Joy Reid's show the other day on MSNBC. And I said the beautiful thing here is the fact that Rudy, based on Trump's handling of matters, he always has too many people attached to any given issue. He, of course, not attached to it because he doesn't have an email account, something Roy Cohn taught him many, many years ago, keep your fingerprints off of everything. But what makes it interesting is if they included somebody like Ivanka or Jared or someone who's not an attorney, you now have destroyed the attorney-client privilege. That's only between attorney and client. Um, on top of that, as you know, their catch-all is always the crime-fraud exception rule. So if they claim that there's a crime that was being committed as a result of this communication— it's not going to be deemed privilege, and they're just going to do like what was happening to me. You're wasting tens of thousands of dollars, and then the tens of thousands become hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then it becomes into the millions, where you start wasting your money trying to fight with the special master about keeping something privileged. When the special master deems that the prosecutors are correct, it could be based on crime fraud exception, or there's somebody else whose name is attached to the email that is either not your attorney or not an attorney at all, and that you can't make the claim that it's privileged. And so you just keep losing until you finally throw your hands up and you say, fuck this. Why am I, what am I fighting? Just take whatever you want and let me know what you want. That's what's going to happen with Rudy as well. Yeah, that, that sounds likely. Uh, but, Michael, I, so I have an interesting question. for One more question for you. So, first of all, your description of Rudy walking down the street in Manhattan sounds like he's turned into the penguin. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, good description because that's what he looked like. Yeah, uh, which, which makes sense because they're all becoming like comic book evil characters. But – Rudy charged uh, Trump $20,000 a day during the election uh, legal battle, such as it was, where they lost 60 cases in a row. And 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 then Trump decided not to pay him. Now, Trump deciding not to pay him, of course, is the most classic Trump thing there is. Did Rudy expect to get paid? And But uh, honestly, Michael, I mean, no one would know this better than you. And that's why I'm asking you. Like, Trump stiffs everyone, everyone. So why do people still make deals with him? Why do they still think he's going to be loyal to him? He's not loyal to anyone. How could Rudy not see that? And and by extension, honestly, how could you not see it earlier? Okay, so I actually got paid back. The non-payment had to do with what was called the joint defense agreement. I'm a totally different scenario. Uh, the non-joint, uh, the joint defense agreement, he actually paid close to just under $2 million, but that's not the full amount. You know, when you have 26 people working around the clock, you know, um, in order to go through 14 million documents, that's no joke. He decided once he realized that I was not sticking to his game plan, that he was going to put the squeeze on me and stop paying. That was a business decision. Rudy is a whole nother animal. Contractors that work with him, a whole nother animal. But as it relates to Rudy... Whether he thought he was going to get paid or he knew he wasn't, by aligning himself with Trump as his personal attorney, Rudy traveled the world 
in essence, extorting foreign governments and foreign leaders and foreign companies in order to use his security company. So he was going to make it up on you know the, the left hand as opposed to taking it on the right hand. Well, maybe he didn't get what he thought he was going to get. And so he decided he needed the 20000 a day, the 140000 a week. Sorry, folks. I know I made the mistake on, on Joy Reid. We were so busy laughing. I, my math went, you know, my first grade math went out the window. <laughs> but, you know, why other people do business with him? That's a mistake that I never really figured out. People wanted to be able to say that I was doing business with Donald Trump, figuring that that would help to bring on additional business. So while Trump was using them, they were actually using Trump as well. But of course, he had to, of course, get the better of the benefit. That's just technically who he is. I do want to keep going, Jenk, and ask you, on May 2nd, you tweeted the following in regard to Biden's first 100 days and his very ambitious progressive agenda. And I quote, if I thought Joe Biden would do everything on his agenda, it wouldn't be a progressive dream come true, but it'd be plenty good enough. That's not the issue. The issue are the impending surrenders. He's going to get very little of that passed since he's not willing to fight for it. If you would, unpack this for me. What isn't Biden willing to fight for and why? This is why the mainstream media hates me, uh, because I say things that are obviously true. Um, So uh, $15 minimum wage. Uh, Joe Biden has never meant it, uh, doesn't mean it today. Uh, and the traditional media looks at and goes, no, he said it, so it must be true. I believe all politicians like a sucker. Uh, so how do I know that he doesn't mean it? Well, they had a vote on it. It's a vote that, honestly, we at the Young Turks forced. We put pressure on Bernie Sanders. We got a petition. Tons of people signed it. Bernie didn't want to introduce it. Then he did. Uh, and we got people on the record. And when we did, uh, we found out that eight Democrats voted against it. Oh, so the Democratic Party was full of crap in the first place. They were never going to pass $15 minimum wage. But two of the people who voted against it was the most interesting. The two Delaware senators, that's Joe Biden's top two allies in the Senate. They also voted no. That's Joe Biden saying, no, I told you I don't want the $15 minimum wage. I said it implicitly, and I guess you guys were knuckleheads and you didn't understand politics. So now I'm saying it very explicitly. I don't want the $15 minimum wage. I probably agree with Joe Manchin. And the reality is Joe Biden is Joe Manchin. That's why he doesn't fight him. He actually agrees with his conservative and corporate Democratic policies. So $15 minimum wage is not in the infrastructure bill. It's not in any bill. Um, except uh, corporate Democrats and Republicans working on an $11 version, Romney is and others. So there's one example of Joe Biden's not going to actually fight for his so-called agenda because it's not actually his agenda. And then on the infrastructure bill that's coming up next here, I'll predict the future for you guys, and that'll be fun. Um, and, and you'll see with your own eyes that this is not Monday morning quarterback. I'm telling you ahead of time what's going to happen. So he Biden proposes a $2.2 trillion package. Progressives and the media go nuts. He's the next coming of FDR. He's the best of the best. Guys, that ain't going to be the package that passes. Instantly, Manchin and the others come out and go, corporate tax rate of 28% unacceptable. It's got to be 25. Biden says, well, maybe we'll move it from 28. That means they'll definitely move it from 28. It'll go down to 25 if anything at all passes. Lock in 25%. There's no way we're getting 28% if Biden has already shown softness on it. That's politics 101. But now I get to the main event. 
Chris Coons goes on television. That is the top ally of Joe Biden in the Senate. Again, Delaware Senate, not only that, but was a huge part of Joe Biden's 2020 campaign. There's no way he goes on television without clearing it with the White House. And Coons says, well, this package might wind up around $800 billion. That is $1.4 trillion less than Joe Biden proposed. That means Joe Biden's signaling to everyone, I'm cool with $800 billion. I was kidding about the $2.2 trillion. That was just for theatrics. And every idiot and sucker in the mainstream media bought it. Every progressive bought it. But we're not actually going to do that. We're going to cut out a lot of the, if not all of the Green New Deal parts of it. Uh, we're going to lower the tax rates for corporations because we all work for corporations. And at the end, you'd be lucky to finish at $800 billion. And that's how this game is played. Well, it's sad because $2.2 trillion is just a pittance of what this country needs in terms of infrastructure. And why infrastructure is being used as the tool in order to get other aspects, whether it's pre-K schooling or what the, even the $15 minimum. Infrastructure should be infrastructure. That's something I actually agreed on with Trump. It was something that we spoke about going back to 2016 when he started to rise in the polls. My comment to him was, as president, you only need to accomplish one great proposal, one great bill during each four years, and you will be remembered as a great president. And which one did we decide it would be? Infrastructure. Why? Because our orange-crusted big baby used to scream bloody murder every time we would land in his 757, and we would bounce off the, you know, off the runway, and he'd be like, man, this country's like a third-world country. Everything is falling apart. When we drive in the limo, and it would hit a pothole, he used to freak out. So infrastructure was something that I thought he was going to really do. And let's not forget, you may recall, Trump went to Riyadh, where he went and met with a whole slew of members of the, um, the um, you know, EA. And I'll never forget, he came back and he said that, you know, he just raised $250 billion for an infrastructure fund. Then he went to China and he said that he raised another 250 And then he said he went to Ch- uh, Japan and he raised, so that was $750 billion just right there. But then he wanted to float some, whether it was Series A or E or some bonds against it. And then have it as a 10-time multiple and put $7.5 trillion into nothing but infrastructure. Well, that lasted all about three minutes until he decided to listen to the likes of Steve Bannon and Steve Miller when they decided that we're going to instead run with our um, immigration bill, which was really nothing more than a Muslim ban. And a deceptive one at that, which was just an natural. But, you know, other things that I think Joe Biden had made promises on that I'm personally still waiting to see is how he's going to fix the immigration issue. I know that they talked about it. He and Kamala talked about it at nauseum during the campaign that what Trump did is absolutely disgusting. And it is, you know, you have families that are separated. I saw they just reunited four families and that's supposed to make us all feel good. Right. That's that's a feel good. There's still another fifteen hundred kids that are separated, have no idea you know, where their parents are and the parents have no idea where their children are. So I'd like to see what they're going to do with immigration. And then something which is very important to me, prison reform. Well, let's go, Joe. You know, what are you doing? You still have the same director of the BOP under under Trump, who you may have seen on the 14th of what was it, April, that the Senate Judiciary under Grassley. And um, Dick Durbin 
They called in Carvajal to explain why the First Step Act still hasn't been resolved, and that's December of 2018. So, yeah, while he's doing a great job on getting vaccinations into the arms of people, there's a lot more to this country than just the vaccination. Yes, it's important. Yes, the COVID relief package, extremely important. But that's not it. It doesn't start with and end with COVID. So this is now the time. And he has a lot of adults. That's something Trump never had, is adults in the White House. It's time to get to work and let people start answering to him. Be the CEO of the country like you said you were going to be. That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. So, look, you'll get half of it and you won't get the other half. So... The good thing about the corporate Democrats is that they are competent. They're very competent managers and bureaucrats. So that's why the vaccine rollout has been terrific. So credit where credit is due. People get confused. I criticize Biden. I um, support Biden. So where do I stand? Well, I stand depending on the facts and depending on the issues and depending on what he actually did. It's okay to use your human judgment issue by issue. You don't have to be in a camp. So on the vaccines, he's done a terrific job. Um, on uh, the infrastructure bill, like I said, I think they'll butcher it uh, for the reasons that I stated, and I'd be shocked if I was wrong. Um, and then on immigration and, and many of his promises, look, on immigration, I give him a little bit of a break because he's got to clean up the mess that Trump uh, left behind for him. So on the getting the kids reunited, uh, that's tough, It's and it requires some time to go through that. Now, on the other hand, when he agrees to the same uh, refugee camp cap that Trump had, well, there's no reason for that. That isn't a question of taking time. That isn't a question of competency. That's a policy decision. And and Biden said he wasn't going to do that, and he's doing it because he's scared. He's politically scared because the right wing yelled at him. So he's trying to do old school politics where he says, oh, well, I'm just as tough as Trump and the Republicans. Look, I'll cap refugees, too. Ha ha. I don't care that their lives are in danger. I'm a tough guy and a right winger. No, you schmuck. You're not going to get a single Republican vote. That's not how politics works these days. Right. You're not going to get any Trump voters by copying Trump. That's unbelievably dense politically. And then finally, on on criminal justice reform, he promised a lot of things. I knew he wouldn't do it because that's not who Joe Biden is. He's the guy who started the war on drugs. He's the guy who did the draconian crime bill. He's uh, celebrated doing that with Strom Thurmond. He's not going to magically turn around and be the head of criminal justice reform in this country. And and then the war on drugs, just quick note on that, because that's a huge part of criminal justice reform. He said he was going to take uh, marijuana off of Schedule 1, and that was one of the many things he promised. He he said he'd do it on day one. Of course he didn't do it. Of course he didn't do it because he's an old dude who thinks, oh, my God, marijuana, it's so evil. It'll give you reefer madness, and it'll lead to cocaine and meth. And and let alone the campaign contributions and whoever else has a finger in that pie. Uh, So – No, you just got to be clear headed about what these politicians are going to do. Don't look into putting on a cheerleader outfit and going, yeah, I'm a Democrat. I'm just going to blindly follow whatever Democrats do or certainly Republicans because they do it even more. Uh, You have to actually look at the facts of each case. Well, you recently wrote something that I found interesting about how the media actually covers Joe Biden. And you quote and I quote you. There's a very large divide between progressive media and progressives in D.C. Progressive legislators and groups seem thrilled with Biden. Mainstream media is, of course, absolutely smitten. 
progressive media is enormously skeptical. Let's see who's right. Can you explain what you meant by this and what's an example of that divide in practice? Look, I don't want to repeat too much, so I'll just go real quick over the $15 minimum wage using that example in this particular question and context. So progressive media said, wait, why, why isn't $15 minimum wage inside the, um, the bill in the Senate as it is in the House uh, for the COVID relief bill? And, and in fact, I predicted, as usual, on air, well before it happened, many times that they would never pass the $15 minimum wage in that COVID relief bill. So progressive media was right, right? And now, what was the reaction of mainstream media? Uh, Joe Biden said it, so uh, I take him at his word. No, that's not what a journalist does. A journalist doesn't go, the government officials said it, so it must be true. No, you're supposed to challenge the powerful. You're supposed to look at the facts. You're supposed to look at the reality of what's on the ground. When they take it out of the Senate bill, that means they don't want it. I mean, the journalism in this country is in an awful, awful shape. Mainstream media is basically propagandists for the corporate wing of both parties because they're the corporate media. It's super logical, right? In terms of the progressive legislators, I love them. I started Justice Democrats. Uh, there's 10 Justice Democrats in, in Congress now, uh, and, and they're great on, on other things, but they've been sold a bill of goods. Uh, we'll get to $15 minimum wage later. We'll get to all of your progressive priorities later. There ain't no later. It's a trick. It's an ambush. And they're walking right into that trap because uh, they listen to people in Washington tell them, be you know, be pleasant, be nice to your colleagues and trust in Joe Biden and honestly trust in Pramila Jayapal and Bernie Sanders that they uh, have a master plan that you can't comprehend. They don't have a master plan. They're not going to pass any of those things. Let me ask you this then. My last guest was MSNBC's Jonathan Capehart. And we were discussing, it's in my last podcast, we were discussing Tim Scott's absolute ridiculous assertion that there was no systemic racism in America. Now, this despite giving a speech just two years prior where he discussed how he had been affected by systemic racism. He talked about being pulled over eight times in one year as a senator and being denied entry to the Capitol building on multiple occasions. Now, obviously, he has ambitions as a national GOP figurehead. And he wants to toe the GOP line and push back against what everyone is defining now as woke culture. What do you see happening here? What do you think this is really all about? Well, look, it's the oldest trick in the book. Uh, So uh, as I said earlier, Fox News does it, uh, mainstream media uh, or and corporate Democrats do it to some degree. In this case, it's the Republicans doing. So the Republicans uh, put out Tim Scott and go, uh, he's black, so uh, when he says there is no racism, you can all breathe easy now. Uh, you, uh, basically, it's a way of pardoning all white conservatives in the country. Uh, any racist thoughts you might have had. And by the way, guys, racism doesn't mean, okay, I despise all black people. I think they're all inferior, and I say it on blog posts all the time. No, okay? It, it's oftentimes implicit uh, reactions uh, and undertones. Now, I know that the right-wingers lose their minds when people say that. No way, no way. Really, a lot of you don't have this assumption that African-Americans are more likely to commit crime. I guarantee you, if I pressed on 90% of right-wingers, 
press and press, they would finally say, well, of course they commit more crime because you know how they are. Come on, that's racism. That's the definition of racism, right? And so they want to be absolved of those crimes, right? (laughs) They're not actual crimes. Yes, you are allowed freedom of speech in this country. You don't actually say it, but they are crimes of a moral sort, right? Because those are the exact stereotypes that have been used to keep down Black people in this country for centuries, and, and so what better person to do it than a sellout black Republican to come out and say, no, you're all uh, not guilty. OK, and that makes it feel so good. They're like, yes, Tim Scott, a black guy said it. So stop falling for these tricks. And by the way, how do the corporate Democrats use it? They in a situation where they are not going to do criminal justice reform, they'll put out a black spokesperson to tell you why it's such a great idea not to do criminal justice reform and to make excuses for their inaction. Then if you criticize an African-American, a woman, a Latina, you name it, that a corporate Democrat has put out in front for their inaction or for their corporate uh, selling out to their corporate donors, they'll say, you also are racist and sexist. But wait a minute, we didn't say anything about here. Janet, here's a good example. Janet Yellen, she's challenged on a a provision as Treasury Secretary that she's pushing that would help corporations to the tune of billions of dollars. When people criticize her, they go, corporate Democrats go, oh, you're doing it because she's a woman, you're sexist. No, I did it when Tim Geithner did it. I did it when Larry Summers did it. I did it when Steve Mnuchin did it. Now you'd like to hide behind the false charge of sexism in that case when there's actually mountains of actual sexism in this country. And what it does is it diminishes the real charges of sexism and racism for the benefit of corporate Democrats. So everyone plays this game in America and it's disgusting. Agreed. When you lock down 22 hours a day on home confinement, you begin to miss the simple things that many people take for granted. For me, that includes the simple pleasure of sitting down in a restaurant and ordering a steak. Luckily, I love to cook, and Omaha Steak delivers restaurant-quality cuts to my doorstep, allowing me to recreate my favorite recipes in the comfort of my home, surrounded by the people I love. So, thank you, Omaha Steaks, for keeping me stocked with the meats. But I also want to remind those of you free to leave your homes that summer is almost here. And that means backyard grill outs. And it is not complete without Omaha Steaks. Visit OmahaSteaks.com and enter keyword Cohen in the search bar to order the mouthwatering Let's Go Grill package today. Not only will you get great savings, you'll get the tasty bonus of 12 ultra juicy Omaha Steak burgers free. That's almost four pounds of free burgers. To top it off, you'll also get $20 off your first order. The Let's Go Grill package includes four butcher cut filet mignon, four boneless pork chops, one pound of chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, and so much more. I'm not going to lie, you've never had steaks, chops, and sausages this good, and I've eaten the best, trust me. Here's to warmer days filled with fun family memories and epic backyard grill outs featuring the best steak of your life guaranteed. So go to omahasteaks.com, use the code word Cohen in the search bar, and for a limited time, get 12 free Omaha Steak Burgers and $20 off at checkout on your first order. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword Cohen. Coming soon from Audio Up, the third installment in our epic teenage horror musical mashup series, Prom in Hell. Ain't no motherfucking prom king, bitch. Starring Jaden. What the f*** is going on at this school? Vanessa Barrett. It's up and down. 
What's up? It's Jaden. It's Nessa Barrett. Common Panel is for comedy musical podcast. Featuring me and some of my friends. Prom in Hell, coming soon from Audio Up and No Cap Events. Well, last week, talk about disgusting. The GOP made it painfully clear that not only would they shackle themselves to Donald Trump for the foreseeable future, but everyone else must also embrace Trump as well as his big lie. Now, it's become a litmus test for party advancement and those that push back will be purged. Liz Cheney, as an example, was the first, and surely there will be others to come. If you would, discuss with me how you see this current state of fucking insanity within the GOP, and when, if ever, will it return to some semblance of normalcy? Yeah, I don't think the word fascism is too much here. I don't think it's overplayed. I don't think it's hyperbole. This is exactly how fascism starts, when you're not allowed to disagree with the leader. And if you do, you're purged and no dissent is allowed. And note the incredible irony of the Republicans claiming that their number one issue these days is freedom of speech. And then turning around saying to Liz Cheney, shut up. If you don't do exactly what the dear leader wants, we will purge you and end your career. What happened to free marketplace of ideas, freedom of speech, protecting people's uh, right to express themselves? No, what you meant is I want the right to be able to say racist stuff and not get in trouble for it. But when people say things I'm not comfortable with, I want to shut them down immediately. That's also fascism. Political correctness came out of fascism. So no one disputes that Liz Cheney is factually correct. Did Donald Trump egg on the protesters? Of course he did. Did they turn into rioters? Yes. Did did the rioters chant hang Mike Pence as they walked into the building looking to do extreme violence? Yes. Did they assault cops? Yes. Liz Cheney is right about, did Donald Trump stop that violence? No. He was asked to stop it by Kevin McCarthy, and he wouldn't stop it. All those things are factually correct. But within the Republican Party, they're not politically correct. And if you're not politically correct, you will be purged from the Republican Party. But I'll add one other thing that nobody else does, because the mainstream media now is in love with Liz Cheney because she's standing up to that wing of the Republican Party. But I'm not in love with the Cheneys. Remember, the Cheneys are the ones that created the biggest lie of all, weapons of mass destruction and how the Iraq was connected to al-Qaeda. That was Dick Cheney supported by Liz Cheney. They're grotesque liars. So Liz Cheney telling us that all of a sudden she's discouraged to find out there's lies in politics that's a joke so let's be fair on both sides yes but can you please from now on refer to our former idiot in chief donald trump as the supreme leader that's how he wants to be referred to going forward for the rest of this conversation michael let me say one more thing about that the republican (laughs) voters the right-wing voters they fancied themselves tough guys, alphas, right? And they would say the Democrats are betas and ah, libs, and they're so weak, and we're tough, 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 right? Now, here, I'll say a politically incorrect word, okay? Look at all these pussies, all licking Donald Trump's boots, okay? Going, oh, yes, master, yes, master, I'll serve you even better, master. Look at that piece of crap, pathetic Lindsey Graham, groveling and groveling. Ted Cruz, <laughs> pretending to be a tough guy, the biggest beta of all. He called your wife ugly, you bitch. And what did you do, Ted? You bowed your head like a coward. 
like a weakling. And by the way, Republican voters, that kind of goes for you too. You know Trump lied to you a thousand times. You know he told you to inject bleach into your lungs, okay? You know a thousand things he said wrong and a thousand cons that he ran. And still, you bow. You bow before Donald Trump. What happened, tough guys? You're not tough. You're not independent. You don't have any independent thought. You all want to follow, as Michael said, the supreme leader. And that's really, really sad and weak. Well, it's worse than sad and weak. It's stupid, including the, the, the greatest grift that I think Donald Trump has created so far, which was to have in the donation website where you have to find some innocuous little box and check on it in order not to be billed monthly. So he kept it as a continuous. I understand now he has to return some like 800,000 donations, you know, to the tune of over a hundred million dollars. But if that's not enough to wake you up folks and say, this guy is the greatest grifter in the history of American politics. And by the way, I agree with you on the Cheneys. Uh, I mean, you know, they made a ton of money on um, Halliburton, if I'm not mistaken, during, yep. you know, the wars and um, the weapons of mass destruction, the number of soldiers that were injured as a direct result of that nonsense, that bullshit lie, as, you know, we like to talk about Donald Trump. But yes, please, just going forward, I think it's only fair that we refer to Donald as the supreme leader because that's who he wants to be. Folks, listen, I say this shit all the time. I say it on television. I say it on this podcast. I say it in the media. Donald Trump entered this race not to become president. It was always supposed to be the greatest infomercial in the history of politics. And I say it all the time because like Donald, I'm trying to say it enough that people start to hear it and that they repeat it. And this big lie that is Donald Trump just goes away. He didn't want to be president. I remember when we were traveling together in the country of Georgia with the time it was uh, President Mikhail Saakashvili. He never referred to him as the president. Every time we were together, he would call him Mr. Dictator. Now, Saakashvili thought it was funny. He thought Trump was joking around. But hindsight being 2020, he wasn't joking around. He sees presidential power as ultimate Kim Jong-un power. I don't like Michael Cohen. Let's tie him to a tree and let's blow him up with a rocket for fun, for shits and giggles. That's fucking Donald Trump to a T. He's a dictator. He's an autocrat. He wants to be a monarch and he wants to pass this country. He wants to basically take a crap on our constitution, shred it, and then turn around and redraft it to the United States of Trump. That's what he wants. And that's why he was so excited when he ran home like the coward that he is. When he ran back to the White House, he turned on his televisions. He watched the insurrection taking place. He saw all the lunatics there with the Trump 2020 flags, with the MAGA flags, with the, you know, with those stupid, ugly red Make America Great Again hats and so on. And he's looking and looking to the crowd. They're doing that for me. That's my paramilitary army. That's how we're going to stop the free election, with the, to stop the vote uh, for Biden. And I'm going to become the imperial ruler, the supreme leader of this country. The man is a sick, sick human being. I do want to ask you, though, Jenk, do you see an extremist GOP as a boom for the Democrats, as centrist voters seem to be turned off by not only Trump, but a party that embraces scumbags like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene? 
Uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, I'm going to explain why. Just super quick, though. I just want to back up a couple of things you said. Uh, you know, uh, another part of fascism is when you have paramilitary forces that uh, wind up becoming vigilantes. And that's why Trump loved uh, the insurrection riot on January 6th, because he thought, OK, good. Those are people willing to do violence on my behalf that are outside of the law. And those are in the uh, old days in Germany. They were they were the brown shirts. Right. And now they're the red hats. And so and then in terms of Kim Jong Un and, and Trump wanting to be a dictator, Michael, you nailed it. He literally Trump literally said what's great about North Korea is when Kim Jong Un says something, everybody uh, claps. They stand up and clap and they do as they're told. No, that's not what's great about North Korea. That's what's terrible about North Korea. They don't have any freedom. It's so ironic that the party that cloaks itself in freedom is the party now rooting for a wannabe dictator who would who clearly hates democracy, the idea of freedom, and loves the idea of an authoritarian dictator. Now, you might think, wait a minute, Cheng, didn't you say this is not necessarily bad for the Republican Party? <laughs> so how does that square, right? So here's the problem. This country, the reason that Trump rose up in the first place, and this is where you got to be fair to Republican voters and right-wing voters, not to their politicians, but to the voters. The reason that Trump rose up is because people hate the establishment. And they're correct. The establishment has been robbing you blind for 40 straight years. Nonstop tax cuts for the rich, everything for corporations, and nothing for you guys. And your wages have not gone up in 40 years, right? So Trump saw that. And this is the part where I'm being fair to the right-wing voters. The right-wing voters noticed that corruption, I think, quicker and better than Democratic voters did. So when the main media tells them, no, these are honest politicians, when they take millions of dollars from corporations and from rich people, they don't do them favors at all. And the right-wingers were like, screw you. We don't believe you at all. You're clearly liars. You're correct about that. You are correct, okay? The problem is you went for your alternative was a con man. And so the con man saw the need that you had, the pain that you had, and he sold you a bill of goods. And ironically, what is Trump? He's the heart of corruption. <laughs> Sheldon Adelson gave uh, his campaign over $100 million. And you know what he did? He gave the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Miriam Adelson, Sheldon Adelson's wife. What did she do to deserve the Medal of Freedom? The guy is literally giving away our highest honors to the highest bidder. I don't know anyone more corrupt than Trump. But the problem with the Democratic Party is that they love the establishment and the elites. And that is a losing strategy. This country hates those guys. So if you get a smart populist like Tucker Carlson and he runs against a corporate Democrat like Kamala Harris, uh-oh, we might be toast because this country is going to go populist. The only question is, is whether it's going populist right or populist left. If the Democrats keep trying to force the establishment down people's throats, they will eventually lose, a fascist will win, and we might lose democracy altogether. So then what do you see then uh, going back to this extremist GOP as this boon we're talking about again, people like Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene? So, Michael, it doesn't seem to be turning off any core Republican voters. So, you know, you got 74, 75 million people in this country who are here for it. They mistake Donald Trump's uh, 
lack of eloquence for authenticity. So they say he doesn't talk like a real, he doesn't talk like a politician. He talks like a real person, right? So he must be the one authentic guy. So whatever he says, I agree with. And if he says Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, and, and her Jewish space lasers are correct, then she's correct. If he says uh, child molesters are running the Democratic Party, then th- that must be the case. But I mean, if he says guys who actually do child child sex trafficking, like apparently Matt Gates did, are good, then he's good. If he says that Jeffrey Epstein's main co-conspirator, Ghislaine Maxwell, is a very fine person and he wishes her well, then the lo- literally the worst child sex trafficker in the country is a good person and we wish her well. And they lent out their brain to Donald Trump. So 75 million people are voting that way, no matter what. The question is, can Democrats get to 76 million? Or because of the Electoral College, they really need to get to 80 million. And you're not going to get there by doing corporate uh, horseshit. And so that's what I'm worried about. Yes, the Republican Party is deeply, deeply extreme now. But apparently so is 75 million voters in this country. Well, let me ask you this then, Jing. Republican pollster Frank Luntz was on the New York Times' Kara Swisher podcast recently, and she asked him why Tucker Carlson has been going after him and Kevin McCarthy on his show. And Luntz said, and I quote, I think Tucker is running for president, and I think that's what he's going to do. And I think he's going to try to demonize and destroy anyone who might stand up against him. And that's all that there is to it. What do you what do you make of this assertion? Look, I know Frank Luntz, and I know him to be a pretty straightforward guy. I don't agree with a lot of things that he says. He doesn't agree with a lot. But at least we've sat down at maybe 100 hours at mutual friends' homes and had open and just interesting dialogue and conversation. I think he could possibly be right here. I think that a Tucker Carlson... In his crazy, warped, Trumpian type of deluded mind, really believes that he could be the next president of the United States of America. Michael, uh, I I agree nearly completely with Frank Luntz, but there's one huge disagreement that I I have with what you just said. I don't think Tucker is stupid at all. And you could tell I'm not embarrassed or afraid to call people stupid. Uh, (laughs) I did it already multiple times in this podcast, right? I think Tucker is very smart, and I think Tucker actually stands an excellent chance of winning. So if you're not afraid of uh, Tucker Carlson um, and what he could do to our democracy, you're not getting it. Uh, Tucker learned several things from Trump, and he's now applying it. And And I'll tell you why I think he's going to run for office. Um, so number one, the things that he's applying is um, you can't go crazy enough for Republican voters. So it doesn't matter. Do conspiracy theories tell people the vaccine might not work and that it might kill you? It's, Tucker knows those that that stuff isn't true. Uh, he he's doing it on purpose. Tell them that the immigrants are going to replace you. The replacement theory that the Nazis used about Jews. Okay, it doesn't matter. You can't go low enough in the Republican Party. Tucker had learned that lesson, and he's right. Uh, the Republican voters love it, and if that's why he's number one on Fox News, number one on cable news. And then the second thing he learned is crush every possible competitor in the Republican Party. And that's what he's doing now. And the Republican voters love an alpha. They're all the voters. The Republican voters are all betas. So they want to give their banana to an alpha monkey. So Tucker is like, well, then I'll be an alpha monkey. Okay. And I'll tell you that you have to give your all your bananas to me and to no other Republican. They're like, yes, they love that. Right. So 
And why do I think he's going to run for office? This is not what you do if you're trying to maintain a career in media. Media has a different balancing act, right? I I was a host uh, on MSNBC. I had the six o'clock hour about a decade ago, okay? You go outside of the parameters of acceptable on cable news, and you're going to have issues. So I had issues for criticizing the Democratic Party and Obama because I was being honest. And I didn't criticize them more than the Republicans because I didn't think they were worse than the Republicans. I thought they were way better than the Republicans, but I thought they had a lot of problems. And I explained to people what they were. And they, uh, the head of MSNBC, Phil Griffin, at the time, sat me down and told me that was unacceptable. Right. And I know what the parameters of cable news are. And he is beginning to go outside of the parameters, even for Fox News. He might even create legal trouble for them. And at that point, they got to let him go. Okay. But he's doing that on purpose because he's very savvy. He knew how to stay within the bounds earlier. After this election, he started going outside the bounds. You go outside the bounds if you're going to run for office, especially in the Republican Party. Uh, Honestly, right now, Michael, I think Tucker is coming. And my job is to find someone on the left who could actually beat him. And that's actually not an easy task. You know, something that I've spoken about a lot on this podcast is my biggest fear He's not Tucker Carlson, but it's somebody like a Tucker Carlson with a lot of money, more money than Trump, smarter than both Trump, not hard to find, and smarter than Tucker Carlson, but more sinister and more devious than Trump and now Tucker Carlson. I don't know who that person is yet. I haven't been able to identify him, but you could rest assured that that person is out there. And that's who I'm more nervous about. You know, do I think Tucker Carlson has a shot? Yeah, he could run. Fuck, anybody could run. Put your name on a ballot. Get, what do you need, like uh, 100,000 votes? And, you know, you're on, you know, you're on the, the ballot. Um, he certainly has enough people that are out there that are willing to support him uh, financially. So he'll go out and he'll raise more money and he'll get on the ballot in all the states. Okay, no problem. But he's not the guy that makes me nervous when I close my eyes at night. I'm waiting for that other individual to materialize. And that person will, because Donald Trump has basically opened up the Republicans' eyes on what you need to run a successful, populist, sort of racist, sexist, misogynistic, right? Xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, Um, race that will propel you, as Trump did, into the White House. Hey, everybody. My eyesight is pretty rough these days. Some of it's simply because I'm getting older. But there's also the fact that I spent decades reading legal documents with tiny print. And then there's the hours I spent um, inside prison reading in very low light. And nothing destroys your eyes faster than squinting at a paperback for six hours in a darkened cell. And now with my podcast, my new book, and even more documents to read, I get headaches, eye strain, and crazy migraines like you wouldn't believe. Recently, though, a friend introduced me to Blue Blocks. After trying several pairs, I settled on their summer glow blue light glasses. There's no magic. I simply put them on during the day when working with screens or under artificial light. I tried just about everything before I got a pair of these bad boys, including a couple of expensive prescription frames that seemed to just make matters worse. Blue blocks just work better. Here's some of the finer points about blue blocks. 
They're made in optics laboratories in Australia, not mass-produced in factories in Asia. The frames are super stylish that and have been featured in Vogue. They're constructed with science-backed technology, tested to ensure they work, unlike other blue-light glass companies. They're a little more expensive than other brands, but they're worth every penny just to have gotten rid of those migraines. Besides, you get what you pay for. After getting my Summer Glow blue light glasses from Blue Blocks, I felt immediate relief, not just from digital eye strain, but my migraines and my headaches lessened as well. Plus, the cool yellow lenses make me look, well, like a rock star. Glasses come in non-prescription, prescription and reading options. Blue Blocks has glasses for every need. Blue light for helping digital eye strain. Summer Glow for helping with low mood and migraines. And Sleep Plus for improving your sleep. Blue Blocks also has other amazing products, such as low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, and 100% blackout sleep masks, all backed by science. Blue Blocks ship worldwide in rapid time. Easy returns and exchanges. So go to blueblocks.com slash Cohen and use coupon code Cohen to save 15% on your order. That's blueblocks.com slash Cohen and use coupon code Cohen to save 15%. Yeah, I, I think that you're underestimating Tucker. I think he is wealthier than you suspect. I think he's more, I think he's smarter than you suspect. And I think that he is more sinister than you suspect. Um, and... And now all politics is national. Uh, so back in the day when Tip O'Neill said all politics is local, that's because people mainly got their information from the local newspapers. Now there are no local newspapers. There's only national outlets now, like Fox News. And if you're sitting on top of the Fox News throne for all these years, one, you're making tremendous money. Two, he's the heir of the Swanson fortune. And three, you set the agenda. You tell people what to think. And so... Tucker is an excellent position, in my in my opinion, not only to run but to win. And who do you think would be a good um, person to oppose him? Um, right now, I'm going to say a name, and the, if there's any mainstream media reporters listening, they'll chuckle, right, um, because they don't know anything. Uh, they'll want to name like already established uh, senators and governors and Biden and Harris and all these people. Uh, and think, oh, everybody loves these beloved politicians. No, nobody likes politicians. They're all fake. Uh, nobody's buying that Scranton horse crap. Uh, Biden only won by 43,000 votes in three states. Only 43,000 votes. We almost lost to Trump and lost our democracy. We were this freaking close. They're not going to beat Tucker. The only person that could beat Tucker Carlson, in my opinion right now, is Nina Turner. Um, so Nina Turner's not even in office yet. She's running for Congress in Ohio. Uh, and she was a campaign ch- uh, co-chair for Bernie Sanders. Why do I think it's Nina? Because she's super strong. Uh, she's really smart. And she's a fighter. And she's populist. That's our best hope on the left, is to find a populist who knows how to fight, who's strategic, and, and won't back down when the establishment media attacks her. Interesting. Interesting. So, Jenk, as we're beginning to wind down the hours to have a couple of additional questions, but I want to switch gears for a moment and talk to you about one of my newest favorite topics, you know, Crazy Rudy Giuliani. Now, two things, <laughs> two things came to light recently after the FBI raided his apartment. And trust me, I know what that feels like. The first is that he's running out of money. 
which means that he's going to have a very hard time hiring good lawyers, right, to keep his ass out of prison. The other is that the DOJ has now appointed a special master to oversee the discovery process because of the sheer amount of material that they found on his hard drive relating to his clients, including, right, not shocking, Donald Trump. Now, all of this leads me to believe that the SDNY will try to flip Giuliani in exchange for some kind of immunity. And as we all know, Rudy knows the playbook because in the 90s, Rudy created this fucking playbook, right? All he has to do is basically deliver Trump on a silver platter, which I think that he can definitely do. So my question is, could Rudy wind up smelling like a rose after all this is over, despite all that he did, if he's able to deliver the biggest prize of them all, which of course is Donald Trump? Discuss this with me. Michael, that depends so much on the details that I, in order to find out enough facts to answer your question, I have to kick it back to you. Uh, how much do you think Rudy knows? I mean, you say silver platter, but does anyone really have Trump on a silver platter? The reason he called the Ukraine call the perfect call is because he builds in a tiny sliver of plausible deniability into everything he does. And then everybody buys into that sliver of plausible deniability. So could Rudy, Rudy really end Trump? What would he have on Trump that would end? Him? I don't know, which is why I'm sort of asking, let's talk about for example, Ukraine. And I've been very clear that I don't believe that the interest in taking Rudy's electronic devices is based solely on Marie Yovanovitch, on her um, termination of her position as ambassador. I think that that was, if we're going to call it a cake, that's just the base of the cake. And they know that there's a whole lot more there, more interesting than the termination of an ambassador. Right. That's really the truth. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of information in there about trying to remove her because maybe Russia wanted her removed. Maybe it had to do with, again, trying to force somebody um, in the Ukrainian government to go after Hunter Biden all in order to change the potential election results. Maybe what you're going to find is communications between, say, Rudy Giuliani and Bill Barr about my remand back to prison because they didn't want me publishing my book, Disloyal. And I mean, we started this hour out talking about, you know, what is what is a fascist do, right? They stop your First Amendment. That's what they would do, right? So the things that they do, they try to prevent you from speaking, though, of course, their speech is fully protected, just not mine, because it's contrary to his. But maybe you find other things. Maybe you find that there's some underhanded dealings with Mohammed bin Salman. Maybe you find it with Qatar. Maybe you find it with Iran. Who the fuck knows what Rudy was up to? But you could rest assured, when somebody is financially in distress, and they know that Trump is not going to pay him 20000 a day or 140 grand a week, Ad infinitum, despite the fact that that money is not Donald's per se, it's really his um, his supporters for this um, legal fund. Desperate people do desperate things. Stupid people do stupid things. What happens when you're desperate and stupid both at the same time? You do desperate, stupid things. And that's what I believe that they're looking for. And I believe that they're going to find it because, look, 
I think we could also find stuff about the January 6th insurrection. They could end up ultimately holding Rudy responsible in part for treason, for conspiracy to commit treason. Who knows? I don't know. I think that last one's very unlikely, to be honest. Uh, But uh, I think what is likely is that uh, Rudy tried to sell access. And so I agree with you that the diplomat is just the base of the cake. And that what they'll probably find is that uh, Rudy was trying to get paid by foreign actors to influence the U.S. government. And when they do, he's toast. Okay, now, at that point, and Trump can't pardon him anymore. And he's running out of money. Uh, Article came out the other day that his entourage is down from like five people to one or two. And you personally witnessed that the other day. He didn't have his normal entourage as you ran into him in the street. Right. And um, and so he's running out of money and they're probably going to get him on a very significant crime. That's my guess. Right. So, yes, I think Rudy uh, could flip uh, and might even be likely to flip. But the question isn't that, in my opinion, the question is, what does he have on Trump? And we just don't know. So, Michael, the thing that I've always wondered about is that the Trump boys, both Eric and Donald Jr., at different points, told reporters before Trump ran for office that they got all their money from the Russians. And they said, for the golf courses, we got it from the Russians because the Russians really like to play golf. I mean, they're such idiots. It's totally Beavis and Butthead. No, the Russians don't like to play golf. They were very likely money laundering, right? And so, Michael... What are the chances that Rudy has information on that or Weisselberg has information on that? Because that would be the thing that would really undo Trump. Right. So let, let me just sort of clear that up a little bit. So what er, it was Eric's comment when he said that Russians are big supporters of Trump. He was referring to apartments and the condos and so on. And that also is part of the big lie. Um, they were trying to tie it into Dmitry Rebolovyev, who bought his home in Palm Beach. That was not a sham transaction. That was actually a transaction that came through a very prestigious real estate broker and a brokerage house in Florida. Um, I mean, the funny thing is that Donald had to even lie on that. He received $95 million for that property. It's a gorgeous piece of property. The house is pure shit. It looks like the lair for the Teenage Ninja uh, Turtles, which is why this oligarch tore it down, but it is a beautiful piece of property right on the Atlantic Ocean. Do I think he paid too much? Not when you're an oligarch and you're making money hand over fist. At least they were back then. So that's not what Eric was talking about. The problem is that Eric is stupid. I say this all the time. He can't even lie in an intelligent way. It was just a stupid way, and that stupid lie has now caused him an enormous amount of trouble, which I'm happy to see. But, you know, look, it's not going to be a fairer violation that they're going to get Rudy on. It's going to be substantially more than that. Who knows how he referred? Look, I know that, like, Bob Costello, who is one of Rudy's attorneys right now. First of all, I don't see Costello working for Rudy for free. He certainly didn't want to work for me for free. Um, You know, so, and I don't consider him to be a quality lawyer either. But none of them are going to work for Rudy for nothing. And so this is going to put a massive squeeze onto it because the SDNY, because the prosecutors have unlimited access to 
free legal work, right? That's what they're there for. And they're just going to squeeze him and squeeze him. And as Rudy runs out of money more and more, he could say whatever he wants. Now, who knows how he referred in communications um, about Donald. He could be like, you know, spoke to the boss. I mean, that's how Costello and Giuliani were conversing to me about, you know, these pre-pardons and everything else. You know, spoke to the boss. You're still loved in Washington. Stay the course. Wow. Do we really? Do, is there anybody out there that doesn't know who Costello or Giuliani is referring to when they call him the boss? I mean, the guy is the Don, right? I mean, so when you're referring to the boss, it's just so simple. Not to, it's, it's not like they're being cryptic. They're just being stupid and wise guyish. Yeah, you know what the boss told me to do. I mean, it's it's totally ridiculous. But it's not going to be fairer. They're going to get him on much more significant corruption and you're right, selling of access because again, he knew that Donald wasn't going to pay him. It's just that's just Donald's MO. We don't pay anybody. And Rudy, fuck you for asking me for money. You ask me for money? No, you pay up. You don't, we don't pay down. It's the mafia mentality. You pay up to the boss. The boss doesn't pay down. I mean, that's just the way that it is. So Rudy is insane. And, you know, I saw he, you're right. He was walking with this woman, probably dating her or something. She wants to marry him so she could divorce him too and get 42000 a month, which he can't even pay to his former wife. I mean, it's just, he's just become this walking pathetic individual that used to be so revered in New York, so revered around this country, so revered around the world, who's now this sort of just troll that's walking around the streets by himself, looking, as you said, like the penguin, just waddling, you know, down Madison Avenue. It's it's sad to see. You know, it it I do have to say it's sad to see um what happens to even like myself when your reputation ends up getting slammed because of your affiliation to the worst human being on planet. And I'm referring to the boss. So, Jenk, um, thank you so much for your time, for your insight. Um, I really do truly appreciate you coming on Maya Culpa. Uh thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Thank you. You be well. And now for today's Maya Culpa. I can't help but watch dumbfounded as the GOP purges itself of moderate voices and instead adopts wholesale Donald Trump as its future savior. On the one hand, it's funny to watch these supposedly powerful and intelligent people act like complete fucking imbeciles, falling over one another to gain the favor and support of a man who cares not one fucking iota about them whatsoever. This holds true for the MAGA voters as well. On January 6th, when the Capitol attack was at its worst, Donald Trump was horrified, not as the wholesale violence, but that his supporters looked so down market in their American flag t-shirts. He loads his own constituency, but they, like the congressmen who serve him, are a means to an end. All of this is an exercise in the use and abuse of power. Trump, through some act of magic, has convinced millions of people to pledge their undying loyalty to him. He, in turn, uses this to maintain an iron grip on the Republican Party, directing its movement from Mar-a-Lago. What has become apparent is that they love Trump, not because he won or lost the election, but because he is willing to burn down fucking Washington. 
these voters don't care about the Republican Party any more than Trump does. They're angry and detached from our world because nobody asks their permission to allow it to progress. The identity politics, the racism, the culture wars, we may laugh and shake our heads at their ignorance and their stupidity, but for these MAGA voters, it's all that matters. They don't have enough of a stake in the system to care about anything else. So, what do they do? They smash it to fucking pieces. Or they elect leaders in their own image, like Trump or Ron DeSantis or Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, or a dozen others who will parrot their views and talk the talk of Fox News. It's a dangerous game they're playing with dangerous people who one day are going to realize that their own hand-picked idols have been lying to them as well. And that's when the whole thing really explodes. We need to find a way to stop that from happening. I just hope it's not going to be too late. And thanks for listening. Hey, movie lovers. Who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts. Ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Mea Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea Culpa. Nothing but the truth.